So it's my pleasure this morning to bring scripture to you. My name's Susan Reddy, for those who don't know me. And I've been attending here at Granville now for, I would say, almost 30 years. So, and it's a real joy to bring God's word to you. Would you bow your head with me and pray as we begin? Lord God, we need to hear from you this morning. By your Holy Spirit, would you open the eyes of our hearts so that we can receive what you want to tell us about your beautiful fruit of patience, Lord. Would you take over and teach? Let me just release myself. May it be you teaching, Lord. And Lord, help us to take what we hear today. May we not just be lookers and listeners of the word. Help us to be doers of the word and the power of your spirit. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So as you've already probably figured out by now, we're looking at, uh, we are in that series of looking at the fruits of the Spirit, and this morning we're looking at another one, a facet of the fruits of the Spirit, and that is patience. Now this is a very practical fruit. As um, Christopher Wright says in his book, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, this is a down-to-earth, Monday-to-Friday kind of virtue. And I actually gave you a very practical way of practicing this virtue just this week, as I actually gave you the wrong scripture verse to read last week in, in preparation for this. So we are in 2 Corinthians, not 1 Corinthians. So this is actually not an easy virtue, is it? And um, I have to tell you, when I realized that this was the virtue or the, the um, fruit that I was going to be teaching on, I actually laughed because in fact, Doug laughed too, because we know that I am not the most patient person on the planet. Um, you know, though, I actually used to think I was fairly patient. I didn't realize how impatient I was until I had children. It's amazing how they can push your buttons. You know, children, small children, have much different timetables and priorities than we as their parents do. And um, I would say it seemed like almost daily, um, when they were little, they would push me to the point of I would lose my temper with them. And I felt like I was constantly praying, asking God for patience. Lord, give me more patience. Every night when I looked at them in bed and they looked so angelic, I'd be like, oh, Lord, give me more patience tomorrow. And then one day I realized, actually, God was answering my prayer, but not really in the way I thought he was giving me lots of opportunities to practice patience. <laughs> because patience is like a muscle. It doesn't really grow unless you have testing. And so maybe the moral of this story is be careful what you pray for. I'm not sure. <laughs> but all, you know, all kidding aside, that part of my life was actually very hard. I often felt like a real failure as a mom. I really, really struggled. But God did help me. Slowly but surely, as impossible as it was in my own strength, God helped me to surrender things to him, to surrender my expectations, my ways, my, what I thought were my rights, my plans. And he enabled me to be more patient. I am still not the most patient person, but he's certainly grown a lot of that fruit in me. 
So today we are going to look at patience, and we're going to look at it in three divisions, so you have a little bit of a road map. I have an outline here. Oh, I guess that's right. I'm supposed to be doing this this morning, aren't I? Right, sorry. Okay, here's the outline. So we're going to look at patience, what is it? Then we'll see patience displayed by God in Scripture, and then we'll finally we'll look at patience developed in us. <clears throat> so let's start by looking at patience defined. What does Paul mean when he refers to patience as a fruit of the Spirit? Well, there are two Greek words in the New Testament uh, for the word patience. The first one is hupomone. This is supposed to have an um, accent on it, but I didn't know how to do that uh, with PowerPoint. It means remaining under as one bears up under a burden and refers to steadfast in difficult circumstances. The other word is called macrothumia. Um, it's actually a mixture of the word macros, which is long, and thumos, which is passion or temper. So it means long temper, the ability to hold your temper for a long time. In fact, actually, um, it could be slow to anger. Um, the King James Version refers to it as long-suffering. And this is the word that Paul uses in Galatians 5.22, long-suffering. So patience as a fruit of the Spirit, then, is really the ability to endure opposition, suffering, frustration, or delay without anger, retaliation, or revenge. It's also being able to put up or tolerate weaknesses and faults in other people without anger, retaliation, or revenge. So that is really what patience is. Now, we all admire and want patience, don't we? That's one of the reasons you're sitting here in this pew right now. You know it's a fruit of the Spirit. You want it. But here is the truth of it. Patience is only needed and it only actually grows in circumstances we would rather avoid. In difficulty, in hardship, in delay, in disappointment, in disruption. That's where we need it and that's where it grows. So patience is not for the weak. It demands strength of character um, and stamina because it really requires uncomfortable sacrifice and surrender. If we're going to get there, that's what it requires. It depends on somebody being able to control themselves. So really, it's very closely linked to the, to the fruit of self-control and to the fruit of love. Because it's only love for God and love for other people that would even make us want this fruit because it is a very, very difficult fruit. It's like Mike said when he did his really great introduction to this series, these fruits are all related to each other, aren't they? So the truth is that the fruit, the patience, the fruit of patience that God wants for us, the kind of patience that he wants for us is humanly speaking impossible. This kind of patience is godly patience, the kind he has, and the kind only he can grow. So let's now move on to looking at what God's patience looks like so we can know what kind of patience he wants for us. And we see that in scripture. <clears throat> so we see in the scripture, the God we encounter in the Bible is relentlessly Patient. His patience is not like our patience, it's infinite. 
And so we see this in the Old Testament, first of all, as God unfolds his divine plans and promises without any kind of hurry or haste. You know, God actually created us for himself. But when our first parents sinned, he didn't give up impatiently and storm off in anger. He actually promised a redeemer who was going to reconcile and restore us to himself. And then slowly, 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 through the Old Testament and actually on into the New, over millennia, we see him unpack and unfold his divine plan, which is nothing we would have ever dreamed of. First, he chose a man, Abraham, patiently grew him into a family. Then he patiently grew this family into a nation in slavery in Egypt, his nation, Israel. And then, generation after generation, he continued with this nation because his plan was to bring the Redeemer through them. But God's patience is not just shown in in his um, willingness to wait a long time to unfold his plans. It's also shown in his willingness to, his long suffering, his patience towards people as they do all kinds of things to try to thwart his plans. In fact, in his dealings with his sinful people is where we see God's patience shine so, so much more beautifully than any other place. God is slow to anger in the face of incredible sin of his people. He actually told, um, he told that to Moses. He told him he is the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, that's patient, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And do you know he told him this? This is what he told Moses in the face of incredible sin of his people. Um, he He had just rescued them from slavery, brought them to the Red Sea, parted it in front of them, allowed their um, enemies to die in front of them, then brought them, gave them water, brought them to Mount Sinai, and now they were standing in front of Mount Sinai and the glory of God was all over the mountain. And what did the people do? They got sick and tired of waiting for Moses who were up on on the mountain and they decided to make a God of their own out of gold and worship a golden cow. It's actually kind of staggering when you think about it and God was very angry with them but more than that, he was broken hearted, deeply hurt but he shows incredible resistance. He could have easily destroyed them and started all over again but he does not. He does discipline them but he also perseveres with them. He is patient with them, and he remains patient and faithful throughout their history. I have just finished doing a study, an Old Testament study, History of Israel and the Minor Prophets, and the one thing that stood out to me in the entire study is God is so patient and so faithful. He had chosen Israel out of all nations and blessed them. They were the chosen people, the only nation that knew the one true living God, and you know the only thing he asked of them? Don't worship anyone else. Only worship me, he said to them, because I am the only God. But they wouldn't. Instead, despite his evident love, his evident blessings, his evident power, they kept worshiping the gods of the pagan nations around them, even taking on their their really awful worship practices, including sexual immorality, temple prostitution, And yes, child sacrifice. 
They sacrificed their children. The Israelites did that. Because they didn't love God, they didn't love each other. And this literally broke God's heart. He often described himself as their husband. And so when they did that, he considered it committing adultery. And so he wouldn't give up on them, though. Year after year, century after century, he kept sending prophets. That's why we have so many books of prophets. If you actually boil it down, it's the same message. Come back to me, Israel. Come back. I love you. Stop going after those false gods. And he actually says, he recounts his patience to them in Jeremiah 7. He says, while you were doing these things, I spoke to you again and again. I spoke to you, but you did not listen. I called out to you, but you did not answer. He kept calling them back, and they wouldn't listen. So finally, he allowed them to be taken out of the land. But you know, even then, he remained patient. He brought them back after only 70 years, and he still did his plan because he wanted Messiah to come from them, and he wanted specifically Messiah to come from the line of David. And so he maintained that line no matter how evil the kings were. You should read the um, Old Testament sometime through and you'll be stunned at God's patience. So why? Why is God so patient? Why is he and was he so patient? Well, the simple answer is love. Our awesome, powerful, majestic God is also Abba, Father. And he wants us, no matter what we do, He's always making a way for us to come to him. He is love. And as we're reminded, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. It always hopes, always perseveres. This is our God's patience, this kind of patience. But the thing we must realize is that God's patience was incredibly costly to him wasn't easy for him. His people hurt and grieved him. And I think we don't really see the true cost of God's patience until we come to the New Testament and see what his patience truly cost him. And that brings us to the ministry of Jesus, doesn't it? His entire ministry was one of patience. Think about how much patience it must have taken for God to become a human being and live among such sinful people. Actually, we hear him cry out in the pain of it. In Matthew, he says, you believing in perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Yet Jesus mostly kept this pain, this struggle to himself and poured out his soul to his father and received the power to bear patiently with us through the Holy Spirit. The same way he expects us and wants us to gain patience, he did it. He remained, because of the provision of the Holy Spirit, he remained patient throughout and loving and kind, no matter what, no matter how much slander the religious leaders poured out on him, the rejection of his family, the lack of understanding of his disciples, even the crowds that followed him only wanting what he could give them. Think about how much patience that must have taken, yet he remained patient to the end. Though he had 12 legions of angels at his disposal, he could have called out to them. He did not. 
He patiently allowed himself to be arrested, whipped, abused, so we could hardly recognize him, nailed to a cross. And he's kept himself on that cross, even though any moment he could have come down, any moment, because he knew there was no other way to save us, so he patiently endured the full cup of God's wrath for you to pay the price, and for me, for our sin. The true depth, the true cost of God's patience is actually seen on the cross. So God is infinitely patient. No one can outsin the patience of God. And Paul understood that when he wrote and called himself the chief of sinners. He understood that no matter how often we sin, no matter how many times we do the same thing, no matter how bad our sin is, God patiently waits for us to turn to him and he will forgive us because his mercies are new every morning. And like the father of the prodigal son, he remains patient. He's waiting for all who will turn to him to come in faith. Why do you think Jesus has not come back yet? It's not like he's just biding his time in heaven waiting for just whatever. He's waiting for people to turn in faith to him. As Paul said, Peter said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. Our God is so patient. John Piper summarized the patience of God this way. In Christ, your life, like Paul's, tells the story of divine patience. Cry, God was patient with you as you wandered from him, scorning his son, treasuring sin, scarcely giving him or his gospel a thought. He's patient with you now as you daily need forgiveness, and he will be patient with you tomorrow and the next day and the next until the day of Christ Jesus when he finally finishes the good work he has begun in you. Praise God for his patience. Where would we be without it? So, God is patient. This is the kind of patience he wants for his children. He wants us to be patient. So now let's move on to looking at patience developed in us. This is where it gets difficult, isn't it? (laughs) First of all, let's just answer one quick question, that is this. Why does God want his children to be patient? What difference does it make to God if we're impatient or patient? Well, first of all, two reasons that I can think of. I'm sure there's more. The first reason is because it is so, so good for us. Think about what happens when you and I are impatient. We rail against whatever it is that is causing delay. It's like a war happening in our soul for control. We want our way, and when we do not get it, we're filled with turmoil, anger, irritation, frustration. It is a terrible feeling. Patience, on the other hand, brings peace, a settledness, an absence of turmoil, a sense of soul rest as we let go and lean on God. So God wants patience for us because he desires great good. He wants fullness of life for us. He wants peace for us. God always wants what's best for his children. So that's the first reason. But the second reason, and really I think the more important reason, is because it can bring so much good for other people. 
when we are patient, because it is not natural to us, it actually reflects God to other people. People get a glimpse of God when we're patient. And God wants that because he wants other people to come to know him. And Paul talked about that in his second letter to the Corinthian church that Raywin read part of this morning to us. That's why I chose those verses. Um, in 2 Corinthians, he tells us, um, Christ died that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. As believers, when we come to know God through Jesus Christ, we are actually no longer our own. We belong to Christ. He comes to live inside of us and he wants to live through us. He wants us to reflect him to other people. Our lives are to be a reflection of him, just as we, our vision statement community reflecting Jesus. That's what God wants for us. And now we are his ambassadors, as if Christ was making his appeal through us. He goes on to say that in the, in the verses. We, are, we have this ministry of reconciliation. Christ is living in us. We are his hands and his feet. We go to others and we reach them for him. And one of the ways we do that is through patience. When people see us respond in patience, instead of demanding our own way, instead of having a temper tantrum, they take notice and it can open the door for them to come to know Jesus. And that is what Paul was trying to get the Corinthian church to understand in their suffering. He wanted them to bear patiently in hardship and in affliction. He wanted them to be the aroma of Christ to the watching world, because that is what happens to us. That is what happens in us. We are, we are no longer a stumbling block to people. That's what Paul says, don't be a stumbling block. Be the aroma of Christ. When you walk into a place, when you just live your life patiently, enduringly, quietly, simply, you are the aroma of Jesus Christ. And people wonder what is different about that person, and they may, that may be the very thing that makes them want to know about Jesus. You know, when we act in patience, in, in patience, not impatience, but in patience, God can do amazing kingdom work in us and through us. I recently read a story <clears throat> of a pastor named Ron Wickard, this man humbly and patiently pastored the same church in a remote Dakota prairie town for 42 years. In God's grace, he patiently preached to, taught, dedicated, married, and buried several generations, as well as diligently training his elders in biblical doctrine, overseeing five building campaigns. He was a tenaciously patient leader, both with the individual sinners in his congregation, as well as church politics. When things were difficult, he patiently took the long view because he loved God and he loved God's people. You know, books are not going to be written about this man. Probably nobody will remember Ron Wickard years from now. But God used him in the life of his church because he patiently loved and endured, always doing what was best for his people, even often as significant inconvenience to himself. Do you know, it takes trees a long time to produce fruit. Ron Wickard understood that, so he patiently sowed and watered in the place God had placed him. Understanding that God would use his patient service to produce a harvest for his kingdom. That is 
that kind of patience leaves a lasting legacy. We don't have to look very far for an example of incredible patience, do we? We have one in our own pastor, Andy. Patience in affliction. When he received his diagnosis, he was patient, steadfast, in love, kept his eyes on the Lord. He left a legacy for us of what it looks like to remain patient and, yes, even joyful in the midst of great, great hardship. You know, only, only eternity will tell us the impact that Andy made on, the, on others because of his patient endurance through hardship in the darkest of times. When we will be patient, God can do amazing, amazing things in and through us. So, now we know why we ought to be patient. Let's take the rest of our time, which isn't much longer, <laughs> talking about the more difficult part, and this, this is how do we get this patience. You know, like all fruit of the Spirit, <clears throat> this is a work of the Holy Spirit in us. This is not going to be a, an, a sermon where I give you the deadly bees. Be good, be patient, be faithful, just try harder and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It doesn't work. The Holy Spirit is the one that can produce this fruit in us, and he will. When you and I come to know Jesus as our Savior, God himself by his Spirit comes to live inside of us. Think about that for a moment. You, if you know Jesus, you have God living in you. And he changes our hearts. We become a completely new creation. We're told in 2 Corinthians, we are a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. You are new. You're new. And so the Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts. He gives to us what we didn't want before. He causes us to, be, to want to be loving. Yes, to want to be patient. But not only that, he gives us the actual power to be able to do so. And, and Jesus promised us that. He said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, power will come upon you. The power, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and I. He's living inside of us. And that power is available to us to do what we couldn't do before. And that is any of the fruits of the Spirit, including patience. But, here's the but. <laughs> like we've said before, if God is going to grow this in us, we must cooperate. We don't just lie there and say, oh, God, make me patient, you know. We're not passive. God brings opportunities. He brings circumstances. He brings hardship. Like I said earlier, it doesn't grow unless we're in something that's not that comfortable. He allows those things to grow that muscle of patience. And so we have a choice in every circumstance. Will I respond in my own sinful nature, which, yes, is always there, trying to get the upper hand in our lives, or will we respond in our new nature, respond in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing we have to understand. This is not going to be easy, even with the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as it was costly for God, yes, it will be costly for us. It requires strength. It requires determination. It requires love. It requires self-sacrifice and self-control. 
And so I am a very practical person, and I always like to have something practical to take away. And so I have three things, very briefly, that I want to talk to you about that I think will help us to respond in patience when difficult circumstances arrive. First of all, first one, really important. Remember God's sovereignty and surrender to him. God is in absolutely control of everything. Sometimes we forget that. We think something's come to us and we're like, oh, is God in control? He is in control. He's in control of everything. All of history, everything that happens in your life, everything that happens in this world, everything is under his control. Isaiah reminds us of that. He says, surely I have planned so it will happen. What God says comes to be. And so that means he know he can always do what he needs to do. Now here's the thing, impatience in us grows out of our unwillingness to submit to God's ways and his timing, doesn't it? But if we remember that he is in control, that he knows best how to get anywhere and do anything, it will enable us to stop struggling against those things and instead simply surrender to them. Let go and let God will allow us to respond in patience. The second, and very closely, is remember God's love and trust him. Now here's the thing. If God was in control but didn't love us, that would be terrifying. Because <laughs> he could let all kinds of things happen to us for all kinds of reasons. But God is love. We sang about that this morning. His love is infinite. And so he's always working towards our good. He always has a good purpose. Jeremiah reminds us of that. He has good plans for us. Plans to prosper and not to harm. Plans to give a hope and a future. So, this is how we can be patient, is that we can remember that not only is God in control, but he's also doing everything for our good. And yes, for his glory. That he loves us. So no matter what comes our way, even if we don't like it, even if it's very uncomfortable, even if we don't understand it, we can remember his love and we can trust him. And that will help us to be patient under all kinds of difficulties. And then finally, very importantly, remember God's power and lean on him. This is very important. As believers, as I said, we have all of God's power available to us. Yet I think too often we respond in impatience because we think everything depends on our own strength. And this reminds me of a little story I heard <clears throat> about a man who needed to clear some trees. So he um, decided he had too many trees to clear just by hand, so he went to the nearest hardware store to buy a chainsaw. When he got there, the clerk sold him the most powerful chainsaw he had. So the man left very happy, knowing that he was going to be able to do all of his work, pretty determined he was going to get it finished that day. But just before closing time, the man returned covered in sweat and absolutely angry. He was livid. And he really got angry at the clerk. And he said, this is ridiculous. I want my money back. This chainsaw is useless. I have been working all day, and I've only managed to clear two small trees. So the clerk looked at the chainsaw, and he's inspecting it, and he's thinking, there's nothing wrong with the chainsaw. So finally, he turns it on, and the man goes, what's that noise? <laughs> So, it's a silly story, 
but I think it illustrates a very good point. He'd been trying to cut the trees down without turning on the power of the chainsaw. Do we do that? Do we do do that, don't we? Yes, how often have you been faced with a difficulty, a hard circumstance, and you think, oh, if only I was stronger, when you have all the power of God available to you to help you respond. God reminds us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, all things, including responding in patience. And no matter how often you and I may have failed in this in the past, it doesn't matter because God's strength is made even more perfect in our weakness. God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Whatever we lack, God can make up for. Nothing is impossible for him. But here's the thing, we need to tap into his power. And we do that through prayer. So very simply, we just ask God to enable us, and then we step forward in faith, and we will find that he will help us. It may be slow, like it was for me, in trying to be patient with my children. There will be times we'll fall and fail, but he will lift us up, and he will say, don't worry, I will help you. And he will grow this patience in us, because he is determined, he has promised that he is going to make us like Jesus. Jesus was infinitely patient. So in order to be patient then, very simply, Remember God's sovereignty and surrender to him. Remember God's love and trust him. Remember God's power and lean on him. If we do that, God will be able to do amazing things in us. I just have one little story I want to end with. Hopefully I can take two minutes to end with this. It's a story of a man who God used in amazing ways and that is Nelson Mandela. Some of you know his story. He wasn't a perfect man. No, no, not at all. But yet, God used him, his patience, his forgiveness, to help a whole nation move from civil war, war to, to a democratic government. He ended up going to jail because when he was in the apartheid system, he opposed it, and the government responded to that opposition um, to the desire for the black Africans to have freedom with violence, with oppression. And so they turned to armed revolt, including Nelson Mandela. And he was arrested and he was put in jail. He was put in a place called Robin Island. He spent 18 out of 27 years of his incarceration in there. On Robin Island, the, the uh, prisoners faced terribly harsh conditions, especially the black ones. No white people were in Robben Island, but the blacker you were, the worse the conditions. Lack of food, lack of appropriate clothing, political prisoners had to do hard labor, they had hardly any um, contact with the outside world. Nelson Mandela was not allowed to attend his own mother or his son's funeral. He didn't see his own wife for Winnie Mandela for 21, 21 years before he could hold her. While he was in prison, he worked for the rights of the people in the prison. Eventually, they did get more rights. And then he began to negotiate, reaching out to see if the government of the day would be interested in, in, in ending apartheid. And four years, uh, sorry, set, sorry, set 18 years, sorry, how long was he in jail? 27 years. 27 years. After being put in jail, he walked out of jail on February the 11th, 1990, at the age of 71. 
most of his life in jail. But he was released to a country filled with political violence and threat of civil war. It could so easily have gone there. Mandela could so easily have focused and harnessed that anger. He could have retaliated with rage, a desire to get even for all of his lost years, but he did not. He responded with patience, with gentleness, with forgiveness, and he advocated for truth and reconciliation. And because of that, his country did not descend into civil war, but rather transitioned to a democracy with Nelson Mandela as the first democratically elected president, and the world stood in awe and awarded him a Nobel Peace Prize. God used that man's patience to avert great, great, terribly things, terrible things. So my question for you this morning is this. Are you in a season of difficulty, of delay, of hardship, of disappointment? You have a choice. You can give in to the pain and the suffering and the struggle. You can desire for revenge. You can weigh yourself out in the hurt and the hardship and the heartache. Or you can ask the Lord to help you. You can remember he's in control. You can remember he loves you and you can trust him. And you can lean on his Holy Spirit, and he will enable you. And you can respond like Jesus. And if you do, heaven only knows what God will do through your patient response to your difficulty. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your teaching, and thank you for your spirit, Lord, that you do not expect us to just pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and just be patient. <laughs> but Lord, you are the one who does it in us and through us. So help us, Lord. Help us to remember you're in control. Help us to remember you love us. And help us to lean on your spirit. Help us to respond in our new nature, Lord, to whatever it is that you bring into our lives. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.